0: Welcome to the Knox Presbyterian Church podcast. We hope this is a blessing to you. Let's jump into the sermon. Today's scripture reading comes from Colossians 3, verse 12 through 14. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Rebecca. Well, we are in our last few weeks of our Better Together series that we have been preaching through all fall. And in this series, we've been talking about the many aspects of Christian community, what it takes to live life together well. We've talked about loving one another, serving one another, praying for one another, speaking the truth in love to one another. And here's the thing we are all human. And so the reality is that even as we try our very best to love one another, pray for one another, serve one another, speak the truth in love to one another, we are going to make mistakes. We are going to hurt one another. So in order to do life together well, we must also learn how to forgive one another. It just happens you live life in this world more than a day, you know, you experience that it. we it will inevitably say or do things to one another, sometimes accidentally, sometimes on purpose, if we're honest, that'll cause wounds. Some of those wounds are just little scratches and they mend pretty easily, but some of those wounds run deep and they take a lot more care and work to heal. So, given that reality, we have to learn how to forgive one another. But the question does remain how? How are we supposed to forgive one another? I think that's what the disciple Peter is trying to figure out in this conversation that we get to listen in on between him and Jesus. Gospel writer Matthew records it in chapter 18. He tells us then Peter came to Jesus and said to him, Lord, If my brother or sister sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay the Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, you wicked slave. I forgave all the debt. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So, my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Whew. You know, we say the word of the Lord and then we end passages by saying, Thanks be to God. This one's a little harder, isn't it? In our life together, we will inevitably hurt one another. So if we want to be better together, we're going to have to learn to forgive. But before I jump into talking about how, I, I do want to give a little caveat. I read an article a number of years ago by a therapist who works specifically with victims of trauma, people who have been exploited or abused at the hands of another, physically or emotionally. And the title of that article was Why I Don't Use the Word Forgiveness in Trauma Therapy. And she explains in this article that for trauma victims, Forgiveness is a very, very loaded word, and most victims feel pretty powerless to forgive. They feel like they should, they want to, but they can't. Because for them, to, to forgive feels like th- th- that they're having to say what happened to them was okay. And it is absolutely not okay. So instead of encouraging forgiveness, so to speak, what what she does is she uses words like unburdening or letting go. And she works very, very slowly in, in helping her patients get to the point where they can do even that. So my caveat for you today, if there is anyone, and there certainly are, more than one, probably, people in this congregation who you yourself are an experience of trauma, have an experience of trauma in some way. I just want to say to you that if you hear this message this morning and and you feel like maybe you want to take a step toward letting go, wonderful, great. I, I, I think that's God's good desire for you. But if you can't, If you're not at a place where that's possible for you, that's okay. God still loves you. God is still with you. And God loves you right where you are. So, we are gonna talk about what forgiveness is and how we do it. But where we have to start with that is naming some things that forgiveness is not. We need to be very, very clear on what forgiveness is not. And the first thing forgiveness is not is it's not excusing. You know, when you're driving down the road and you you see those bumper stickers that say first-time driver, right? We excuse those cars when they cut us off on the road because we know, okay, they're learning that's a first-time driver, right? In our house, we're using the phrase excuse you or what do you say, excuse me, right? Uh, With some certain bodily noises because we have some children who enjoy making those bodily noises, and so we excuse them because they are children. But there are some things in this world, some things that people do that are inexcusable. When we forgive, we are not excusing. We are not saying, oh, well, what you did, it really wasn't that bad. Or, oh, well, it's not your fault, you were having a bad day, or, or, or your parents neglected you, or you're only doing your job. Forgiveness is not about tolerating or excusing bad behavior. Forgiving is also not forgetting. All that forgetting requires is having a bad memory. I can and do often forget where I parked my car. That does not mean I have a, an advanced soul. It means I have a bad memory. When somebody wounds us deep, deeply, you can't just press a delete key or, or erase it from your memory. In fact, forgiveness is exactly what is needed when we cannot forget. And forgiveness is not the same thing as reconciling. You know, you know, people sometimes think that in order to forgive somebody, you, you, you must be able and be willing to, to reunite with them. So the, the wife who suffered abuse at the hands of her husband thinks to forgive him, she's got to go back to him. Or, or the, the, the coworker worker who had a, another co-worker who, who betrayed them thinks, oh, well, I still got to be buddy-buddy with them, Right? Forgiveness is not the same as reconciling. In order for reconciliation to happen, a great deal of work must be done on the part of the wounder. And sometimes that's not possible. But forgiveness still is. Forgiveness takes place in the heart of one human being, and it can be granted whether the person who did the hurting asks for it or deserves it. Forgiveness still can happen. So forgiveness is not the same thing as excusing, forgetting, or reconciling. So what is it? What is it, and perhaps more importantly, how do we do it? Well, experts list four steps. The first step, they say, is before you can do the work to forgive, you have to have within yourself the desire to forgive. Moving backwards in Matthew 18, Jesus tells his disciples, he says, if another member of the church sins against you, I might change that to when, when another member sins against you, go and point out the faults when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. I think what Jesus is saying here is, listen, when somebody hurts you, you have to find it within yourself to want to work it out. When the circumstances allow, Got to put on your big boy pants, your big girl pants, and go talk to them directly. I think Jesus knows we don't really want to do that. I don't. You know, I don't always want to work it out. In some ways, it's more fun to stay mad. And it's a whole lot easier to go talk to somebody else and, and tell them all the ways that that person hurt me, wronged me, and how they're just a no good, terrible person all around. And I can kind of craft this narrative in my own head and maybe with a friend about how, how they're all terrible and I'm all good and, and I've been so wronged and it's so bad and I could never, ever possibly forgive them. And Jesus just says, don't do that. Just don't do that. Don't don't do that not because it's not good for the other person, though that may be true. Jesus says, don't do that because it's not good for you. Not forgiving, holding on to hurt, it hurts us. So forgiveness begins with asking God to give us the desire to forgive. That's where it starts. And The second step, once you have that desire within you to forgive, then it it involves separating the hurt from the person who did it. Separating the hurt, the person who hurt us, from whatever it was that they did. Experts use the phrase, rediscovering the humanity of the person who hurt us. See, when when somebody hurts us, we begin to see them through this lens of our pain. They become the wrong that they did. We say things like, oh, he is nothing but a jerk. She is no more than a cheat. And our, our, our nothing buts and our no more thans knock the humanity out of a person. They become totally, completely only the sinner who did us wrong. But through the miracle of forgiveness, we can begin to see the person who hurt us through a clearer lens. We begin to see the real person with their own deep wounds, a person who shares our faulty humanity, a person who is bruised like us, and a person who is made in the image of God like us. We do not ignore the hurts that this person caused, but we can begin to see beyond them. The third stage of forgiveness involves surrendering the right to get even. You know, we all have within us this kind of Newtonian law that says, for every infliction of pain, there must be an equal and opposite act of vengeance. We want to get back at them, right? We want the other person to to feel what we felt. We want them to suffer what we suffer. But vengeance, by its very nature, can never bring resolution. It only continues the cycle of pain. When we begin to forgive, we give up the right to hurt the other person back. Now, please note that does not mean we give up on justice. Justice involves the pursuit of fairness, and justice must be kept. In an incredibly poignant article written in Christianity Today, Rachel Den Hollander, the American gymnast, told her story a very infamous story of abuse at the hands of Dr. Larry Nasser. And she talked very directly how, as a Christian, she felt God's call to forgive. And here's what she says that means to her. She says, it means that I trust in God's justice. And so I release bitterness and an anger and a desire for personal vengeance. It does not mean that I minimize or mitigate or excuse what he has done. It does not mean that I pursue justice on earth any less zealously. It simply means that I release personal vengeance against him. And I trust God's justice, whether He chooses to meet that out purely eternally or both in heaven and on earth. So forgiveness involves our surrendering our right to get even. And finally, the fourth step. We'll begin to, to know, to feel that forgiveness has begun to take root in our hearts when we feel a real, though perhaps reluctant, wish that some good things may happen to the person who hurt us. You know, it, it might just start out as no longer wishing bad things would happen to them, right? Right? No longer replaying the conversation over and over again in your head where, where you get to, get to really get them. Or having that kind of inward scream of rebuttal when you hear somebody say something nice about them. It doesn't happen all at once. But little by little, your heart begins to change and gradually you may start being able to wish them well. Well. Still very, very far from you, maybe, but well and happy and healthy all the same. So we've talked about what forgiveness is not. We've talked a little about how we do it. Now we need to talk about why. Why we forgive. And I'll tell you, the first reason is all about us. We forgive not to help the person who hurt us, we forgive to help us. You may have heard that saying that not forgiving someone is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Right? Not forgiving somebody hurts us. Not forgiving keeps me chained in a prison of resentment year after year after year. And so God calls me to forgive because forgiveness sets me free. We forgive because it sets us free. And we forgive because we have already been set free. We are like that slave in Jesus' story, for we owe God far more than we could ever dare to repay. God knows all the ways I turn from him. God sees all the ways that I get selfish and self-centered. God feels when I stop trusting and try to be the boss of my own self. God knows when I've chosen to care about myself and my needs and my wants way more than I care about the needs of anybody around me. God knows all the ways I failed him and I owe God so much more than I could ever dare to repay. But in Jesus Christ, God made it clear that he's not about coming in to settle up the debts. The Bible tells us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world that he might condemn the world but that we might be saved through him. We forgive because it sets us free and we forgive because we have been set free. So we've got another one another challenge for you this week and this week you've got options. Three options summarized in three words. Receive, seek, and step. See which one resonates with you the most and make the choice to do one of these steps this week. So, first option is receive. Receive the forgiveness that has been offered to you by God in Jesus Christ. Some of you need to do that today. You've done some things that you know you shouldn't. You've been living your life apart from God's direction, you've been running away from God. You know, some of the most faithful church attenders I know are the people who are trying their very hardest to hide from God church can be a very good place to try to hide. So if that's you today, your invitation is simply to receive God's forgiveness. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done or how far away you have ended up. The Bible tells us clearly, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All you have to do is tell God the truth. I mean, he already knows it. But tell him the truth about who you are. Tell him the truth about what you have done. And just like that, forgiveness is yours. So if you are feeling far from God today, I would encourage you, I would implore you, receive God's forgiveness. Second option, seek. Seek the forgiveness of somebody else. So I would imagine for some of you, as you have been listening to this message today, you've found yourself thinking about somebody you may have hurt a person who needs to forgive you. You know, when we mess up, when we cause other people pain, our natural human tendency is to to try to kind of hide in shame And, and the way we do that is instead of naming it, we kind of just hope we can kind of brush it under the rug and move on, right? Just pretend like it didn't happen and just continue on to the future. Nobody will remember, right? Wrong. no matter how much you hope the other person forgets, they probably haven't. I'll tell you from my own experience, I don't tend to forget when my feelings get hurt, deeply held hurts don't go away, they fester. So if you know of a person that you may have hurt, your challenge for this week is to reach out to them. Own your mistake, offer an unconditional apology and promise to try to do better in the future. If you've hurt someone, seek their forgiveness. On the other hand, you may be thinking of a relationship in which you are the one who has been hurt. So your challenge this week is to take a step. Take one step forward in the journey of forgiveness. Ask God to give you the desire to forgive. Separate the person from the act. Surrender your right to get even and try to wish the person who hurt you well. That's the challenge this week. Receive, seek, or take a step. Choose one. But let me warn you from personal experience, when you enter into the realm of forgiveness, the three, all three, tend to go together. And I'll end with a story of how. A story from my own life that showed me just how intertwined those steps of forgiveness truly are. As I've told some of you, my dad, uh, who was my own uh, mentor in ministry, a pastor for his ho- whole career, he, shortly after he retired, he was diagnosed with Lewy body dementia, which after about a five-year struggle took his life just about a little over a year ago. And sh- just under a year before he passed away, it became clear that he needed to move into residential memory care. And he and my mom and my sister were all living in Oregon, I was living in Pennsylvania, and so I flew home to help do the work and and cover the transition of that difficult move. And my older sister and I worked very hard to make that move happen, but as you can imagine, tensions were high and nerves were raw and a whole lot of shoved down emotions were doing their very best to come to the surface. And I will confess that I did not handle it very well, especially in the way that it led me to react to my sister. I got impatient with her. I got mad at her. I perceived anything she said to me or did in my presence uh, just through my own filter of pain. And I took a whole lot of things that she said and did way out of context. And with zero grace. And by the Thursday of that week, I was just furious at her. I was so sure that I was the one being wronged and and that I was going to need to forgive her, but I was in no way in any place where I wanted to. And so that afternoon, I just let her have it. I yelled at her, I cried, I lamented all the ways that I was being wronged and all the part that she played in that, and I just all over her. And to her eternal credit, she listened. And she received it. And after I calmed down a bit and got all my out, she asked if she could tell me a few things too. And very calmly and very lovingly, she reflected back to me all the ways that I had been treating her, not just over the past few days, but after the, uh, over the past few days years. And she told me some of the things that I had said to her and some of the things that I had done to her that caused her really deep pain. And as I listened, my anger turned to shame as I realized that she was 100% right and I was 100% wrong that I didn't need to forgive her, I needed to be forgiven by her. And I needed to be forgiven by God, because I had been a royal jerk. And so I asked my sister to forgive me. I asked God to forgive me. And I'm really, really grateful they both did. My sister has forgiven me. God has forgiven me. And I I have been set free. And you can be too. There is nothing like the freedom that forgiveness brings. That's why we're told to do it. So receive the forgiveness given to you by God and Jesus Christ. Seek forgiveness forgiveness where you may have hurt another and take a step toward forgiving the people who have hurt you and find yourself set free. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information on how to get connected here at Knox, please visit knoxpres.org.